Why he fighting fighting this? Why what 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 what, what is his goal? Welcome back to the Immigrant Section. I'm your host, Abbas Wahab, and in the studio today, we've got my boy, Omar Jamal. How are you, man? Good, 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 man. What's up? Not too much, man. Thanks for coming in. I appreciate having you, bro. Thank you for having me, brother. Thank you for having me. It's hard to line you up. You got to have a Saturday, huh? <laughs> you got that tight schedule. <laughs> my bad, but I appreciate that. I appreciate setting you that up, man. Thank man, you. Man, I see you got one of those uh, <laughs> those popular shirts nowadays that just have... Li- you don't even know the context of the shirt. It just has four <laughs> major city names london I, I, I nyc got this from, miami Tokyo. <laughs> i got this from australia oh yeah yeah, 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 yeah. i go. got this from okay. australia i oh. took an ice cold shower today and i tossed this bad boy on so <laughs> yeah do you uh do you believe in that cold showers oh yeah oh it's the best big right? believer it's big the believer. best do you go cold from the beginning or do you go hot so, clean yeah, up and then go cold so i normally go like just in the end 30 seconds cold shower yeah but my hot water went out yesterday so i'm like i had a bunch of shit planned before coming here too so i'm like i gotta go like take a proper shower so i took an ice cold shower 15 minutes but i felt recharged man 15 minutes 15 minutes i did it properly today oh my god so you're probably feeling cold. amazing you're, you're energized because yeah. you put yourself through pain right yeah exactly that's a, it like i guess it gets adrenaline going a little bit like it gets you into that fight or flight state that's why you get that wakefulness exactly exactly they say uh, you know cryotherapy I haven't. That's a sports thing, right? It's like uh, sports athlete or athletes have been using it as like a rehabilitation method for a long time, I think. And now it's just kind of like flowed into like uh, just normal use where people, I don't know how much time that maybe they book it for five minutes or something, but you stand in it. It's a liquid nitrogen cooled like cabin. Yeah. So the air is cold as fuck. It's like minus whatever ridiculous. And you just got to get in there and just immediately focus on your breathing. It's like. Two minutes in there is supposed to be like tough. Rogan's talking about it all the time. That's you crazy. Know what I mean? That's crazy. Yeah, I feel like those things you gotta like level up and like continue to push yourself to get to that level. Yeah, where you can't do, do two minutes right at the top. It's like remember when you started doing ice cold showers? Yeah, at, it was hard at the beginning, right? Super hard. You Super turn hard. You're like dude, five <laughs> seconds yeah, is like yeah, you're. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, I feel good. I feel good. You jump out. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. I yeah, I listened to the episode Wim Hof on uh, Joe Rogan. The Iceman? Did Somebody you? just told me about that. Somebody just recommended that episode to me. So it's on my watch later thing on YouTube, right? Oh, it's amazing, man. And the guy, what, what he's able to like actually achieve in real life right now, it's unbelievable. And, and like his whole uh, his whole thinking behind it is like, any human is capable of this. I'm not it's an crazy. extraordinary person. This is just a result of absolute like breathing control. Right. Yeah. Right, right. And, and he gave the big... Uh, he gave the big push to do cold showers. That's yeah. why I started doing it. Breathing's everything, man. I think breathing's everything. And I'm not sure. Like, I think we've spoken a little bit about a meditation and stuff. Like, I think you just get a certain level of awareness into, like, what you're doing. Your your thought process is a little bit more clear. So I think it's super, super important. Like, every day it's something you got to do. Yeah, it's the basis. It's like re- breathing. I'm re- Now as an adult, I'm realizing bre- meditation in general is, like, you know, growing up, you always, if your computer got too slow, you would clear the RAM or you'd restart it. Yeah. But as a human, you don't have those techniques. That's what meditation is for humans. It's like clearing the RAM. Exactly. You know? And you need that data dump. I think exactly. Yeah. You need to meditate and then you need to like journal your thoughts out, like that data dump out, outside, just write down your thoughts. So whatever sort of in your mind, it goes in that uh, data dump of 
like just whatever sort of your day-to-day is going, you write it down and you meditate as well. That's how you get that clear ramp because we are a software if you think about it. What is your daily schedule as far as meditation, uh, journaling, all that? Are you good with it? Yeah, yeah. So I'm super consistent with it. I've uh, sort of been doing it for, I'd say, like three or four years now. And uh, I'll get up. The first two hours of my day, I'll try not to be on the phone or anything. Okay. So I'll get up. I'll basically meditate for about 15 to 20 minutes. Immediately? Like, that's the first no, thing? after shower. Okay. Uh, okay. After shower. Yeah. Um, I'll probably meditate for 15, 20 minutes. I'll probably journal for another 15, 20 minutes. Um, and then I'll go to starting my day. And when you journal, do you journal what you plan to com- accomplish that day? Not really. Just like what my thoughts are. It could be like the weirdest thing that's going on, but I kind of just write, write whatever my thoughts are. So not really planning, just whatever sort of going on in my in my mind. And I think that helps you with anxiety and just like carrying out your day sort of in that moment without having to worry about anything external sort of coming your way. A lot of pro comics, recommend, they, they swear by it early journaling in the morning and journaling later in the night. Their approach is to write out what you want to accomplish that day, but anything that kind of is lingering in your mind from the day before or whatever can be data dumped in there as well. And I feel like that's kind of what you're doing. Absolutely, absolutely. And you you add components of it too, right? So like I write, I'm, I'm super grateful for like this and this happened. Like it's a variety of things that you do, but I think you, you toss in there like appreciation, like what your game plan is, like what your thought process is, just all these sort of lingering thoughts that are in our mind, you know? So what, what got you on that? Do you remember? My ment- Three, four years. Yeah, yeah. My mentor at my previous job, uh, he was big into it, and I... I you want to give him a shout-out? Uh, I, uh, I don't think he'd want that. <laughs> so yeah. we'll, we'll keep his name yeah. under the right He's a corporate gig? He's a corporate gig, Okay, yeah. okay, okay. at CIBC when I was at CIBC. Oh, shit. Shout-out um, to CIBC. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So maybe they could be a sponsor. Yeah. You know, okay, wow. We are very open to sponsors. Yeah, you know? yeah. Fleshlight just rejected our <laughs> proposal, and... Uh, um, so he's the one who got me into it, right? And okay. I sort of just took it upon a practice and I did it consistently. And uh, honestly, it's made a big difference in my life. It's just made me more calmer and it's just made me a better person, I'd say. I, I always want to start journaling. I always, because it gets recommended from every direction. I'm like, yeah, I, I got to get on this. I got to get on this. And then I'll do it a couple days and then like I will see benefit, right? Because I'll just feel clear minded going into like mm-hmm. the bulk of what I need to complete that day. But then I don't follow up with it. I just get lazy. But meditation is a thing that has meditation is a thing that has immediate benefit. And I'm a lazy person. If something, if I don't see like I like to think I'm long term approach approach things with long term mindset. Yeah. yeah. But meditation has immediate benefits. Absolutely. Like if you get in, if you do mindfulness for ten minutes when you're stressed or anxious, I bite the hell out of my fingernails when I'm anxious. Yeah. When I when I can tell I can't keep my fingers out of my mouth, I'm like, yo, you need to stop. Mm-hmm. And you need to go sit down. Thankfully, I have a backyard with a bunch of grass. So <laughs> I literally just sit on the chair. I'm like, you got to do 10 minutes, set the timer. Absolutely, man. And it's like, I took, it's like I took some anti-anxiety medication. Absolutely. It's a game changer. It's a game changer for anybody who's sort of, and I think anybody, my, my mentor, he used this example. He's like, if you write like cursive or you write kind of like squiggly and your writing's not clean, it's probably a form of your mind racing fast. 
And when your mind races fast, that's when you sort of have anxiety, right? That's your day-to-day exactly, anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. So just a way to sort of mitigate that is just setting aside, especially in this world, man, Instagram, like Snapchat, Facebook, whatever it is, that's, everything's on our phone, right? So it just contributes more to that anxiety. And I think when you take 10 to 15 minutes a day and just focus on you yourself, focus on your breathing, there's tons of guided meditations out there and things of that nature, you, you just set yourself up to have a, attack the day with a clear head. You know what I mean? I completely agree. And I remember growing up and uh, even in being in university and high school, the culture around meditation was this hippy-dippy thing. Yeah. You know? People always say meditate, meditate. I always thought that was like uh, you're like in like a white sheet and you've got your like legs crossed in a way that I'm not flexible enough yeah. to achieve. <laughs> and you're levitating because you've reached some level of like uh you know what i mean like yeah like, like some some yeah 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 like you've reached the higher level right yeah like yeah. you've reached enlightenment you know that's what i thought it was i didn't realize it was just set aside time to focus on your breathing that's it yeah that's it and you'll notice when you do it consistently just like any habit it becomes a, a constant part of your day right so the days that i won't meditate and i'll have like a packed day at work or something like i'll see myself like i'm more agitated i'm more like fidgeting i'm moving my fingers around or something like that and the days that i'm i meditate which is most of the days like i'm good i'm level-headed throughout the day exactly it's like uh it it actually the way it works it really is makes you feel like we are kind of like a software and this is the same dude the other day i was at a light yeah, yeah. <laughs> and i looked to my left and there's this like man sitting on a doorstep yeah and uh he's out of it he's like he keeps repeating he goes what i didn't tell you what i didn't tell you what i didn't tell you and yeah. he's just repeating the ha- same hand movement and I was like, is this a simulation? Because this guy just looks like he's frozen right now. You know what I mean? <laughs> this is just a guy on the street. Just guy. On the, uh, mental, obviously a mental health case. Yeah. But th- he was repeating movements and words. Ex- it was a textbook glitch. You right, know what I right, mean? Right, 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 right. I'm right, like, right, what the right. fuck is all this? Yeah, <laughs> like, is man. this real? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I just want to yell out, mindfulness meditation, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Skirt! <laughs> As if, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So man, I uh, I like to get a quick uh, background for my guests, just uh, you know, for reference. Uh, you're Pakistani descent, right? That's correct. That's correct. Uh, were you born here? No, I was born in Pakistan. Okay. Um, I went to school there till grade twelve. Yeah, grade I didn't seven. Know that. Sorry, till twelve years old. Okay, yeah, old, that's a big grade difference. Seven, till oh. grade seven. Sorry. Um, yeah. International school or public school or what? Yeah, international school. Yeah. International school. It was kind of like here, so I didn't really have like an adjustment period when I came here. I came here in grade seven. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and you just took off running, you know? I just took off running, man. Yeah. <laughs> it was a cool experience. I think it really shaped me because like growing up in Pakistan, which is like, you know, like obviously you're more grateful for the opportunities that you have over here. Safety is a concern there. And like not everybody gets the same opportunity as they do over here as exactly. back home. Exactly. Um, but going to sort of a good school over there and then coming over here, like, I noticed, like, people even who immigrated in the same year as me, there was a difference between myself and them because, you know, my schooling system was very... Like, there's this culture that people don't understand of, like, what schooling is like there. Man, I had lockers there. We had, like, field trips there. Like, it was just like here. You had an... You were blessed with an international school, okay? Yes, yeah. <laughs> so keep that in mind, though. With, like, it has a hefty tuition associated with it. This is something your parents put you in. It That's not the case everywhere right right? and there's probably better schools than yours like 
uh, like the British ones, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, like yeah. there's there's always like a range, a spectrum of uh, qualities of schools. But yeah, you're right. People think you come from Pakistan and you come from the slums or something. Yeah. You're like, I nah, fit right in, really. man. Yeah, I fit right in. Yeah. Like my first year I had friends and I was having a good time in first year school right here. Were you shocked? Was there any culture shock at all? I wasn't. I wasn't because like to me, like it was, I was excited. Were y'all, were y'all back then watching all the Hollywood movies? Yeah. Okay. It was right. just like here. Like, okay. There okay. was no difference in my day to day, you know? Americans and like who expat wise, is it all Pakistanis with parents that are like, have plans to uh, move them out of there for like further education or they're actually yeah. like other cultures in the school? There was a white guy who was in school with us. Yeah, he was Isaac, just lost. Isaac DeHart. If Isaac, you're seeing this man, what's up, Isaac? Yo, shout out Isaac DeHart. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's sort of the culture there, right? Like the, I think university level education there obviously is not the level where education is over here. Um, people, there's there's many people who are very very established over there, but I think generally speaking the parents uh, they try to send their kids off to university so even if they weren't uh, able to like immigrate or emigrate to another country they try to send their kids off so they could get a better education and build a better life to them I think like international schooling wise exactly yeah at my university i had a bunch of international uh, pakistani kids right mm-hmm. so i yeah and they come super prepared you yeah. know what I mean? Like, uh, from an academic perspective, like, I mean, I would did engineering. Yeah. Not a, some, uh, I had one buddy, Shazib. Shout out to Shazib. <laughs> this guy. The, uh, yeah, they come super prepared. Like, do you remember when you came in seventh grade? Were you way ahead in the math? Because you hear that all the time. Dude, I was the worst student. Oh, I was yeah. the worst student. I actually found school to be easier here than back home. Oh, that's what, that's what I'm saying, though. Like, I always hear that. Like, you're three years ahead in math oh yeah in other countries and you come here and you're like i did this three years ago oh yeah dude i was like i had like c's d's f's like I, I wasn't getting through school at all i was the worst student in the class back in the day back in pakistan here when i get here i'm like oh i'm getting b's i'm getting some c's i'm getting some a's too i'm like okay this is easy i can do this <laughs> nothing changed just your location huh just my location same effort everything same effort i i, I thought schooling was easier there, you don't have to memorize anything over here, right? Over there, you have to memorize stuff. That's all about memorization. It's all about memorization. I suck at memory. I don't remember anything. I don't remember what I had for breakfast yesterday. Uh, yeah, <laughs> here they here they they push that critical thought angle. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like troubleshooting, not as much as they should, mm-hmm. but they do that a little bit. Yeah, schooling here is different. Um, schooling here is very different. But uh, even when I when I think about school right now, I think. Like people in general, like universities, schools, colleges, whatever, like you, you get out of it thinking that you're going to go get this four year degree and like the world's going to be your oyster. Exactly. It's not the case, man. That's the that's the what they sell you on so well. Exactly. I think I think and I'm saying this four or five years graduate from university. And I think like the real education starts after university without self-education. You're not getting anywhere in, in the real world. That's why I'm thankful I went the university I went to, they had that co-op program. Right. So I started getting like a pretty obvious hint that corporate was not for me mm-hmm. even before I graduated. Yeah. But I was like convincing myself, oh, this is that's because like I'm a low level like uh, intern. Right. Once I get the full time job after I graduate, then this will be better. As right. if like the more money and like associate position is gonna be You're make gonna be happy. Yeah. yeah, that's what I thought. That's what I thought, right? Because yeah. yeah. I was still so in the mindset that I'm I'm getting the the d- degree. The degree is the solution. Mm-hmm. I, what what like 
You know what I mean? That's all I know. Yeah. It's like you get the degree and yeah. everything is good, right? That's yeah. what the... That's how we're framed to think, right? Think about it. Like your parents tell you that, your teachers tell you that. that that's all your brain has been fed since exactly. such a young age. That's how we're... That's what's sort of in our mind. So that's a good segue into the fact you are now... You've, uh, you've gone into the startup route. Uh, how many years of corporate did you do before? I mean, your your job is still, I would say, corporate in the sense of like uh, the work you do, but it's startup yeah, yeah. vibe. It's completely different. But how many years of corporate, corporate as like bottom yeah. of the ladder kind of guy before you were like? Yeah, mm. yeah. So I was um, I was in co-op program as well, and I did everything from being a, a male paper pusher to data entry to cold calling to like the top of the corporate ladder in my most previous job where I was a manager at CIBC Asset Management, right? And I think in total, I did like close to seven years or so. Um, and I think that was invaluable to helping me do what I'm sort of doing right now because I understand like what that world's like, which is a very different world. Exactly. I also, I agree completely. Even now, uh, completely out of corporate, completely out of the sink. Mm-hmm. I was in there for years. I saw, so I operated like, I would see the mindset that a marketing department would have, and yeah. the mindset that a finance department would have. And now that like everything I do is pretty much my own uh, little efforts, hustles, whatever you want to call it, right? You right. Know, my own enterprise, everything falls onto the umbrella that is me. Yeah. My stand-up, my podcasting, sketches, whatever. So right? did, you, did you think you learned anything from the corporate world? I did an start- immense amount yeah. of things, and they transfer over here. Just like how you approach... Uh, you know, advertising a show that you did, like how to be honest with the data. Because now the things I do, there's data coming in. Right. And if I never did that corporate environment, I would not know how to actually look at and process and interpret it. You know, exactly. I just see numbers. and Exactly. So I think it's super important that people have to do, like there's a stigma that people don't want to be corporate or whatever, but you still need that experience. Because but it's the end-all be-all for a lot of people, though. It's like... It is, but I also think it teaches you, like, the real-life skills in terms of, like, just how business, how things are sort of working, right? And when you feel confident in yourself that you can sort of take that jump, such as, like, what you sort of did, what... What, the journey, what you did as well. Right. Then you could sort of go, go down that path. But without learning it, you're in this, like, wishy-washy land, right? You're, like, you're entrepreneur like you're just trying to get shit done but you're not actually doing like the right things and you can still absolutely do you could skip your undergrad you could skip all that and make a very successful company absolutely you're just working against the grain you're working you're you're kind of swimming upstream you got it and you you don't know how to swim so to speak you know corporate teaches you how to spin like uh, from an analogous point of view 100 they show you how to float in water yeah so you have a better time once you're operating your own vessel so to speak yeah couldn't couldn't have said it better well, that was like convoluted as fuck. I was like, <laughs> I was like so many different analogies. Uh, boat, water. Uh, do you remember the moment where you were like, I need to be behind the helm. I need to be at the driver's seat. I like all this, but I don't like, uh, I don't like having to like summarize things for people. I don't like having to qu- answer to people. Was it a yeah. drive like, yo, I want to be my own boss? Or was it like an opportunity like, yo, I have an amazing idea and I need to dip it? Yeah, so, so I'll tell you exactly what happened. Like I was um, so I was on the sales floor yeah. and we used to have this thing called power hour. So 11 to 12, everybody picks up the phone and we're just smiling and dialing. So it's like 26 of us. I love how fucking many rhymes you have right here. <laughs> I could tell this was, did it always say uh, uh, sell? What, was the, uh, what are all those acronyms for selling? 
like spin cell? Like, what are you talking about? Kiss was keep it simple, stupid, no, 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 no always ABC, sell. always be closing. Always be closing. <laughs> I love that. Um, Did anybody ever say that even jokingly? Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> Those are sales guys. Yeah. Um, so we used to have this thing called power. Everybody's just smiling and dialing. And, and, you know, like you're doing this for two or three years, and I thought it was a complete waste of time. I'm like, you guys are paying us good money to do this. Like, well, I'm making six figures, and basically we're glorified telemarketers. Yes. It's like, what? What's going on here, right? It didn't make sense to me. So I had a conversation with my boss, and I basically, for my job, I figured out a way to, we were we had to get appointments. That was the, the basic function of our job. That was the targets that we were measured upon. So I figured out a way to send emails at mass to book those appointments. So my thesis was that during power hour, if I'm sitting here, how many dollars can I maximally make? Like maybe I can make the 30, maybe 40 if I'm if I'm really energized for the day, right? But if I send out, call it 600 emails in that morning, I'm probably going to get better results in the four appointments that I booked. I'll probably end up getting like 15, 20 appointments, maybe more. So it's a no-brainer. Like why, why do I need to do that job? So I brought this idea forward to my manager. And um, I said to her, I'm like, can't all of us just send these emails and we don't have to make these calls? And she goes to me, she says to me, Omar, that's a great idea. But if I let you do that, we'd all lose our jobs around here. So that's mm. when I started thinking, I'm like, man. Yeah, we're not operating in like, we're, the priority here is not to complete this. The priority here is job security. Right. And you know? I'm this like 25-year-old, like driven, ambitious guy. Like I, I want to make it to the top, yeah. right? That's I'm such like, a buzzkill to hear. Yeah, at 25. Yeah. You're like, it's like, what's going to happen when I'm 32, when I'm 38, when I'm 45? Like, am I just going to be like, kind of like, you know, sheltered in that yeah, thinking exactly. a little this bit? This is too efficient. This may jeopardize the, t the size of the team. I don't want to. Exactly. Exactly. So that was kind of my thought process. Of, uh, I think, and I was always in sales and I was always like, this is something that I think I could do on my own. Right. And that's what I'm like, okay, I'm going to take the jump in and it's the equivalent. So that was the moment. That was the moment. And what, was... what happened that day where you were like, okay, I need to give my two weeks notice. Or no, like, no. So I, wasn't... I need to figure out my own venture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I wasn't one of those crazy things. I was going to go quit. And no, I, I started planning ahead. So I. That's a very white move, by the way, to just be like, <laughs> quit before you have a job lined up. You know I think I mean? we naturally, just immigrants and natural are risk averse people. Oh, yeah. You We're need not... to line something up. You need to already be working yeah. a job for a week and saying that you've been sick for a week. Exactly. Like, I've always had options. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I always set up my options yeah. oh, in some yeah, way, exactly. shape, or form. Um, so that's, that's what kind of spurred my thinking. And I was working on a little like side project with uh, one of my business partners who was at CIBC with, with me at the time as well. And, uh, we, we continued to escalate on that, uh, like work on that side project a little bit and it started to bring some dollars in and then we're like, okay, if we can get X amount of dollars, we could probably get more. And that's when we started to sort of take the jump in and like, okay, we could do this. Are we going to do this full time? Like do our, is this what we want to do? Cause we knew it was, it was like a risk. Like you're leaving a good job. And then the way that I thought about it is like, it's like a real life MBA. If you're going to go to school, I always wanted to do my master's, right? It's yeah. like, if you're going to go to school two years, pay 60, 70 grand for a good school, you're paying money and the hope is that you'll end up getting a job that pays you maybe like 180, 200 or something like that. Yeah. You're going in debt to be to be able to do that. And have more earning power. And more earning power. Now, I was kind of fortunate that I had a good paying job. So I saw what you get in a good paying job. It was, it was my dream job, right? 
And I'm like, if this is what's getting me, I think like for me, the most important thing is like just my mental sanity. And like, I just want to be happy as a person. Like, I just want to do like what I want. Like, and at the end of the day, like, I think everybody wants freedom, right? Everybody wants to be able to contribute like what's on their mind to make a positive impact in society. Everybody has that somewhere deep rooted in. And I think that was some of the conversations that my business partner and I had um, at the time, and that's what made us start what we're doing today at Fortuna. That's amazing. Yeah, anytime I talk to you, uh, I know a lot of kids, you know, in engineering, I come by them and, like, you know, like I'll perform instead of student in front of students or I'll run into some, like, engineer student or whatever. <clears throat> I always, because I've worked in big corporations, mm-hmm. I've, I've had clients well, that are massive. you were out in Silicon cor- Valley, too, I think, right? Even, I was, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But even before that. So I did pretty much, after I graduated university, I moved to Detroit, mm-hmm. right, to work automotive industry, automotive engineering. I was a, uh, a program manager for a tier one automotive supplier. We made fuel tanks. Yeah for Jeep, the Jeep Wrangler, the diesel version that's out right now. You were part of that? I designed nice. the urea tank on nice. that. Nice. That's nice. urea is like diesel, uh, diesel cars, they need to spray this ammonia fluid in there yeah. for it to reduce and actually meet uh, emission standards. Nice. And that like, it needs a little tank to hold that fluid. I designed that tank in the Jeep Wrangler, all right? Shout out to everybody with the 2019 Jeep Wrangler. If you got it, you know what I mean? And <laughs> if you have diesel system issues, holla at your boy, all right? I fucked that shit up. <laughs> I was like halfway in at designing that thing. It was like, that is the slowest form. That is the tr- most traditional and oldest and antiquated form of corporate that still exists. Mm-hmm. Massive OEMs. Chrysler, 10,000 employees or whatever. Everyone's got a number. It is the most depressed. I used to walk into the Chrysler Technical Center, CTC it's called, in yeah. uh, Auburn Hills, Michigan. Uh, the second uh, biggest roof yeah. that has, this, as far as a uh, roof that covers a, an amount of surface area, they're second only to the Pentagon. That's crazy. It's a huge building, right? Yeah. I used to, As soon as I walk in there, I would start sweating from everywhere because I had so much anxiety. This is like the corporate yeah. factory, right? Yeah. I would just walk in and just be like, ugh. Yeah, that's what happens, right? Like, I think in any... Oh, just, just to finish, wrap up that thought real quick. So the piece of advice I give to new engineers, anybody who's about to graduate, yeah. get a job at the smallest company possible because that's where you're going to be able to be flexible. I mean, I don't... I'm not, like, a, the biggest proponent for corporate, but if you're going to go corporate, yeah, get into a startup. And if not a startup, the smallest business possible. That's what you learn. You do... You learn. You do way more. You talk directly with your team members. There isn't this crazy hierarchy of, like, the CEO, like, eight floors ahead of you, like, yeah. who's barely there, who's, like, on the other side of the world half the time, and they talk about him like yeah. a god. I think corporate is important, too, though, because I think corporate teaches you those things that startup land doesn't, right? Startup land is basically following the vision of the CEO or the founders of the company. So, yeah, that's great, but you also got to remember that not every startup founder is experienced. So, like, they could be taking the ship left, too, and you're sort of just learning from them. I think the biggest thing that you people need to learn, like, new grads in general, is, like, learn how to value your time, right? If you get a job at a startup or you get a job at a, at a corporation, whatever it is, and you're paid, call it $30 an hour, $40 an hour, $50 an hour, whatever the pay is, you have to remember that those corporations are valuing you at the at that particular rate. Exactly. So do yeah. you value yourself at $40 an hour for the rest of your life? You cannot. You cannot. Yeah, it's a trap. It's a trap. So you have to, at some point, start valuing yourself. 
who you are as a person and put a dollar figure on that uh, on that particular thing and make it from there. And that only happens just in the world that we live in when you're doing your own thing. You know, you need to have equity. Have you ever heard of Naval Ravinkan? Oh, I love him. Oh, okay. I've right. been listening to his podcast oh, a lot. I love every episode. Amazing. That guy's pretty much a self-made Indian billionaire yeah. who's like also reached enlightenment. He has the most. And when it comes to equity, we must just like, you know what I mean? <laughs> He's got the best point. But that guy, I love his vision, the tips he gives. Absolutely. And he pretty much said from a young age, he gave himself a $5,000 an hour rate yeah just an obscene rate yeah so it's like if he had to go return something yeah and he'd make 150 bucks and he's like it's gonna take me two hours to return this fuck that fuck that's that. way less yeah and that mentality got him to where he's at Absolutely. right you it sounds like it's ridiculous you can you can get sort of stuck in this like you know i am getting paid for the job that i have and I am responsible to do everything else that's sort of around me, which is a lot if you live in an urban center sort of like Toronto. Like, just getting into the city itself is a three-hour-a-day type of task. That's three well, it can be. I don't know how far you're living out, but... I'm living in Oakville, but a lot of people commute, man. Like, people commute two, two hours a day just to get to their jobs. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. So, I think, like, you have to value your time, and I think that's what Naval's talking about a lot. Like, put a dollar figure on, on your time, and I think one of the other things that he says, which really, really resonated with me is like have equity in whatever it is that you're sort of doing, right? Like you're doing this podcast, right? Like um, people people used to pay not too long ago, like just to have a 30 second commercial. Like let's say you're a car dealership, you would pay thousands of dollars to have a 30 second commercial on a CP24, the local news channel, whatever that may be. Today, you have the opportunity. With the hopes, and you have, and all they can do is project the eyes watching. You don't get any numbers back from who exactly. saw it. It's just like this abyss that your money goes in. Exactly. Today, you have YouTube, you have Snapchat, you have Facebook, you have Instagram. These are your local news channels, if not more. That's your audience. Yeah, media is all like piecewise now, free online. Like the whole game for comedy now, pretty much the whole new model. Yeah, and uh, the the messiah for this right now is like Andrew Schultz. Yeah. I don't know if you know if Andrew Schultz, oh. the comedian uh, in New York. The whole and actually Gary uh, Vaynerchuk pushes the same thing. Right. The whole thing is you create content for free. You establish your brand. You create all this free quality content, and when you tour, you people come. People feel like they owe you a visit. They right. you're in their town practicing the art that you work on and they've you've been providing all this free content quality stuff for them for free putting it up there yeah it's almost like a oh, okay now i need to reciprocate now i now i gotta go out, watch this guy he's here he's in philly he's in whatever right yeah. that's the whole model it used to be you know grind 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 seven eight years you'll put together a pretty good act you'll get invited to just for laughs mm -hmm. when you're at just for laughs uh, the industry will come out industry agents from la new york will come out yeah. and they will sign you to a sitcom and the sitcom is based off good. your life, yeah. and then the sitcom gets a lot of views, and you blow up. You should go to movies, and you quit comedy, and you just you're good, and you're just lingering in 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 Venice Beach. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that was the old. That's gone. That is just a gone. Old, as far as as far as I'm, it's old Hollywood at this point. Yeah. It's, yeah, that's not a system anymore. Right, right. Because there's nothing on TV. The yeah. the TV media platform is like dying media in general man like they media today the way that it influences people is just nuts like you just take a look at instagram right like 
people live and die by following people on Instagram. Like talking about like a like a simulation or whatever that is. The internet is a simulation. Yeah. You know, right. like you're sold these dreams, you are following people on Instagram, you're addicted to this thing, but these apps are also made for you to be addicted on, right? And that's what you're spending your time on. Maximize your time on there, yeah. That's what you're spending your time on. So you can decide, and I think this is what you're sort of alluding to as well, is you can decide to be a content creator on that and sort of market your message, whatever that is, sort of, to that audience. Your content in the ecosystem. Or you could be a consumer. Yeah. You could just consume whatever it is that they're sort of pushing out. Either way, you're consuming. We're all consuming. Yeah. But it's like, do I want to also... I ha- I have to put stuff into the ecosystem. That's just the nature of the work I do. 100%. Comedy. It's, that's how it is. 100%. But like, for years, I was just consuming. I'd be watching everybody's story. I'd be going and checking this. I'd be che- I'd realize... And then I'd go look and I'd spend a, a gig and a half of data in like three hours. <laughs> like, fuck, I got to get off of Instagram. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And Instagram 100%. will ruin your battery ruin and everything. Your it'll ruin your day, man. It'll, exactly, it'll right? You just day. feel like shit at the end, right? Yeah, you see all these people. Yeah. I see your shit, man. That's another thing I wanted to touch on. You're one of those people that, I don't know if you read a book <laughs> or you listen to something, but you're one of those people that are like hardcore travel and work right do you read the four-hour work week and that was yeah did you take that to heart that was the first book that i read that inspired me to be like going to the route of entrepreneurship and it was again i think it was also like i've always sort of it was my background where i grew up in pakistan right it sort of made me very street smart like even my younger brothers are different than me i went to school at grade seven so um and what it allowed me to do is like I just took action on the things that they were talking about a four-hour work week. And travel was like the thing for me where it's like, how do you learn? Like you're sort of, when, when you come to Toronto or any big city, you're sort of just like consumed in that culture and, and that vibe that people are giving off in that city. And, and don't get me wrong, Toronto is a beautiful city. It's I live in it, I call it home. But there's a lot. It's a single wavelength. Every city is a different wavelength. Exactly. You get a different perspective in every place that you go to. to. And there's different types of people in every place that you go to. And you realize that people are motivated by the same stuff. People are the same no matter where you go. If you go to Costa Rica, if you go to Toronto, you go to Sydney, you go to Thailand, people are the exact same, right? But... There's a divide in culture, generally speaking, in these big cities. That's what ends up happening. Like there's a divide in culture. There's middle class, there's upper class, there's lower class. And people sort of just get stuck in the rut. It's not their fault, but that's just what sort of ends up happening. So travel for me was always like that escape, that freedom to sort of learn different perspectives and learn from what people are doing outside the world, meet amazing people, learn their stories. And it's always been a fuel for me because I've, I've seen people in much worse situations than me. So it allows me to be like more grateful and appreciative of whatever it is that I'm sort of doing. And it's so valuable from an entre- uh, entrepreneur uh, entrepreneurial perspective as well, because I know personally, I went to Japan <clears throat> two years ago for 10 days or so. Yeah. And... There was like three or four inventions over there that like, I remember walking into a ramen restaurant there. Yeah. And I walk up to like the bar. It's like small town. Like you'll see it like an anime. Like it's the standard cliche, like ramen studio, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And I walk in, I go up to the bar. The lady just points to like this machine in the corner that looks like a pinball machine. I'm like, okay. I go up to the pinball machine. It's an ordering machine. You order and then they prep it for you. You don't order at the bar. So this machine's all in Japanese, but the way it's designed with colors, 
it is completely intuitive, regardless of the languages you speak, yeah. of the selection of the broth, the selection of the meat toppings. Everything is completely intuitive with lights and everything. There's no, there is a Japanese, but there's no need to know the language. Yeah. It was an amazing piece of technology. And I look down at the buttons that you press, guy, they were so worn out. I'm like, Everybody's this machine has been here for a decade. I haven't nice. even seen this in North America. This has been used here for over a decade. That's Japan nice. is like a different world. Like Japan is like a different evolutionary path for humanity altogether. Absolutely. That's the feeling. Have you been? I haven't been to Japan. Yeah. I haven't been to That's Japan, but feeling. I've heard great things. When I went to Japan, I kind of felt like humanity is like a Petri dish. Neat. Like all these countries were just different Petri dishes. Because when I went to Japan, I was like, this is just, this went a different direction. This feels like a different dimension. Yeah. But, but see, that thought process that you had... You is only you physically had to go to, to go. Japan. Yes, you yeah. stay, how long did you, were you there for? Ten days. Ten days. But yeah. still, you embrace yourself in that culture for ten days, right? Hot springs. We did the whole nine. And everything. that's how you learned. That's how you got that thought process. I've never met a racist in a hostel. Yeah, never. You know what I mean? Never. You've never met somebody who's like traveled to you know five, six, seven, eight plus countries, yeah, and they're a bigot. Yeah, right. They're, you they're don't some really the, come by that. Yeah, they're the nicest people, man. I love hostel traveling. There's something about it's just travel in general forces you to open your mind, forces you to have perspective, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like you said, everybody is literally the same. At the end of the day, people are just trying to like get a living to eat. That's it. Have like some form of recreation. In other countries, there's a lot more like family vibes than some other countries. Mm -hmm. But like it's gen eighty percent of the part, it's gonna be the same. It's same general human vibe. It's the same. Everybody's trying to work, put food on the table. Everybody wants to be productive with their time, doing something valuable, right? And I'm such in this mindset. I know. I I mean, you probably can experience this a little bit as being like a person of color. I hate that fucking line. <laughs> being a person of color, I find that uh, I find it difficult to travel. And no, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm always in my head about like, oh, they're, they're judging me or this or that, right? Yeah, yeah. And I always, I feel like a lot of times, I'm really just projecting that shit. Yeah, people like, are not thinking twice about you. Yeah, man. Honestly, I've 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 heard that a lot, but I I personally have never experienced that. And I, exactly because you don't project it. Yeah, because you're journaling in the morning. That's my problem. I'm journaling. <laughs> I think is it, that is, I need to start journaling. All right, uh, journaling huge. But I, th I just think I, I agree with you. I think it's like you you don't every single insecurity that you have, whether it's like racism or any other insecurity in general. Because even if you if you if you drill down to it, like. If, if you think that you're being racially profiled, there is a case of racism in there. Yeah. Right? That, that's what that's, it is. That's the mentality. That's right the mentality. There. And there is an insecurity that usually stems from. You're either nervous or something. You have some sort of inferiority complex that like is beaten into you as an immigrant you in got like, it. a Western culture. You're always like, competing. Yeah, like, yeah there's, exactly. There's yeah, something yeah. wrong. So I think in general, like to kind of touch on your point that you were speaking about, it's like if you yourself have to work extremely, extremely hard and... This is where meditation, journaling, just self-care comes through. You have to work extremely, extremely hard on yourself where you get rid of your own insecurities. And every single person has different insecurities. So you have to be comfortable with yourself enough that, hey, you know what? I'm going to go to Tokyo. I'm going to go to Australia. And no one's, for lack of a better word, going to fuck with me. Like, I'm going to do what I want to do. And on that note, and I... People, sorry, sorry to interrupt you. People will get that energy off of you. 
and people will treat you how you want to be treated. Exactly. Perfect example for this. Growing up, I was always afraid of dogs because when dogs were around my parents, my parents would freak. They'd yeah. be like, "Don't go around that dog. Don't be. Go, there's a dog. Kelp. There's the dog. Come here. There's a dog. There's yeah. a dog. Right? Yeah. So I always had this internalized fear of dogs, and dogs would always bark at me because I would Same. be f- afraid around them. And then when I started, when I I remember I was I used to when I was in the Navy, I lived in Halifax for a summer. Yeah. And uh, at my buddy's place. And he had a friend who had a pit bull. Yeah. And he would always be there. And at the beginning, I was, and slowly for months, this pit bull grew up from a puppy like around us. Yeah. And I realized it was my own fear that the dogs were picking up on all this time. Cause now it's a hundred dogs don't bark at you. Exactly. Right? Dude, exactly. Same they story. Do, it's like, okay, that's their weird training or whatever. I don't put that fear out there. And that's the exact thing you do as an immigrant in travel. 100%. It's so funny that you bring that story up because the exact same thing happened to me. I've been shit scared of dogs my entire life. Not until two, three years ago, I was comfortable with dogs. And a this girl at work, shout out to Kelly. Um, Yo, shout out to Kelly at CIBC. <laughs> Kelly, Kelly, super, super friendly with me. We're having a good time. We're just talking over lunch or something. And she's like, what are you scared of? I'm like, nothing. And she said, like, there has to be something you're scared of. And then I started thinking about it. I'm like, I guess it's dogs. Dogs is... This girl's intense. What the fuck? <laughs> you're like, just... Give me the Excel file. What the fuck? <laughs> what are your fears? What the fuck? We, we were good friends, so we used to talk. Um, so then she she kind of like made me point it pointed out towards me that if you're scared of dogs right now, that's going to affect you somewhere down the line, maybe 20, 30 years later, because that's subconsciously in your mind. So I remember that weekend, uh, one of my friends, Farid, I went to, I called him up, I'm like, and he has a Rottweiler. Yeah. It's like a massive Rottweiler. And I called him up and I'm like, man, like I, I need to get comfortable with a dog, help me out. So similar story to yours, that's how I got comfortable with dogs. And then I went to Thailand and played with tigers in, in a cage with four tigers. Oh I'm my like, God. go bigger, go home, man. Did you get that of picture? Of course I got pictures. Don't they like have those tigers on tranquilizer? Man, I'm bro? not listening to any of that. I'm just those focused on. Those tigers are on tranquilizer. I'm focused on getting over my own insecurities, bro. <laughs> yeah. That's what bro, I'm, I'm focused on. Over, <laughs> I'm trying to overcome myself. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm trying to better myself. That's it, man. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah, Keep they life were in simple. A co- <laughs> yes, sure, they were in induced coma, but that's I don't neither know. here or I there. That's just the details, bro. That's that's just the details. <laughs> Yo, so I have traveled alone for work. Mm-hmm. And I know you travel alone a lot and you have traveled alone a lot. Mm-hmm. For people that, that never rarely, that never travel alone or have a fear about traveling alone and you want to sell it to them right. in like the most like succinct way, what do you say? Like, how do you sell solo travel? Right. I think the, the most important thing is like you have to sort of look within yourself and see what it is that you want out of your life. People either will choose a left or a right when they get to their mid-20s or so. So you will either have a fixed mindset or you're going to have a growth mindset. Now, if you go down that path of growth mindset, that involves you being able to take criticism, like heavy, heavy criticism. You must. You must. Not only from yourself, but from people as well, your mentors and stuff. Your peers, your colleagues, your mentors. Right. And you only get criticism from yourself when you go after the truth. Right. If you are at home, you live with like I live with my brothers or my my parents, they're going to sugarcoat the truth. They're never going to they're going to tell you their perspective of whatever it is. 
I think to understand what sort of what you actually want, like just internally and that your frame of mind isn't framed again back to that conversation that we were having. Like you're told to go to university, you're told to do get this corporate job and you're just sort of framed. Right. Yeah, exactly. So in order to get to the truth, which is your own personal talents and stuff, you need to get out of your comfort zone and you sort of need to go in this unknown, another part of the world, another culture where you don't know anything and completely be uncomfortable. Like you need to push yourself out of your comfort zone. And I always say you got to look at yourself as an envelope, right? If you're an envelope, you always want to expand that envelope bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And you only expand that envelope by getting over your fears and putting yourselves in uncomfortable situations. So travel, solo travel is that. Take your, pick yourself up, go to another place, and if if you want that approach of actually growing as a person, expanding that envelope, that's what solo travel is going to do to you. There's no magic thing that you're going to figure out tomorrow, but it's going to pay dividends two or three, four years down the road. It's a long-term approach. Exactly. So, you, so you think of solo travel as a benefit from a self-improvement point of view. Absolutely. And like self-improvement aside and bettering yourself aside, mm-hmm. is it the form of travel you prefer? Do you prefer... No. A- no. It's definitely a preference to go with friends. Absolutely. Absolutely. From like a recreational Ab- standpoint. Absolutely. If I'm taking a leisure trip, I want to go with my friends gotcha. and, and my close ones. But gotcha. if I am focused on self-improving, which I think everyone should be. If you're in your 20s and you're not focusing on your self-improvement, like I, I don't know what you're doing. You know? Again, self-improvement right now is, sounds kind of like how meditation was uh, sold to me 10 years ago. Right. It sounds hippie-ish. Right. You know what I mean? Right. It doesn't mean like, hey, you can stop swearing, you can stop being an angry person. Yeah. We we live in a generation where information is thrown at us at a rapid speed that nobody can take care of. Right? So just 20 years ago, if we wanted to Google something on what does... Uh, like, what what are the effects? I have a bruise over here. What are, what are the side effects of this? Just as a random thing, right? Or I got this pimple over here. Like, what 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 could this, what sort of diseases could this lead to? Exactly. I have four red marks on the tip of my dick. What? <laughs> so, anyways, <laughs> you could basically <laughs> Google. You, all, what I'm trying to say is. What did could, Jennifer have? Basically, <laughs> you <know>? basically, <laughs> basically, what I'm trying to say is you could Google and you have access to information. Whatever topic it is that you're trying to get access to. Mm-hmm. You want to learn about universities? You go do that. Six 600 million Google results. Right. But just not too long ago, 25 years ago, even 17, 18 years ago, people, our parents, had to go to the library, right? Get a reference get a reference library, see if they have the references within the library, order the research, and it would take two or three weeks for that research to come through, and then you have access to that information. So they made shit up. (laughs) So they speculated. Well, no, I think they just got the information, but it took them three or four weeks to get the information. Wait, wait, wait. Your parents were going to the library to reference things on how to parent you? What are you talking about? Isn't that what you just said? Like your parents no, would have I'm, to go. No, I'm no, no, no. I am saying access to information. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought you said parents specifically. No, I'm just giving an example. Like okay. our parents' age. Gotcha. Right, okay, right, I was right. confused. There. Yeah, okay. just our parents' age. Access to information. Thirty years ago, twenty years ago, you had to go to the library and you would have to. It was a physical retrieval. It was a physical. It would take you three weeks just to get that information. Yeah. Today you go on Google and you're gonna get that in a split second. But it's on you to decide what you want to do with that. Right? It's on you to decide what it is that you're going to take away and do with that information. So I think people have to understand that you can take that in, in a positive way and improve yourself, right? Like 
that's what access to information is. It's educating yourself. This is how we sort of started off this conversation. You have self-knowledge to educate yourself or you just become sort of a consumer and just sort of stuck in, in that rat race. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, you know what I realized? Because I was never a big reader. Yeah. I was never a big reader. When I And I, when I started hearing things like uh, the words of Naval Ravinkant and I got like... Uh, uh, like an Amazon audiobooks thing, whatever, Audible. Yeah. And I started actually reading. I read like three or four books that were all like pretty pivotal. They each, I took something from them that was I was able to use in my daily life. And then I started realizing, yo, like all of, I started looking at like uh, Indigo and bookstores. I'm like, this is just a fountain of not, every answer is right there. Every answer to my problems is right in these shelves exactly and i've just been walking by straight to best buy this whole time yeah you know just looking at bose headphones or whatever and like here i've read fourth like habit breaking i forget what book i read but i was i would never thought i would have read a book to help me stop biting my nails yeah but and no it, and it works it works and the the power of now that's what I, I i used to when i was working in china i was super depressed because i just landed pretty much i went to silicon valley because i was at a dead end with my corporate job in detroit and i was like oh you know what sucks michigan sucks so if i get a job in california everything will be great right so i get a job in california any job i just wanted to go to the california. grass always looks greener on the other side always always yeah i get this job for a company that wants me to be a sales engineer for uh, like Kickstarter, mm -hmm. when kicks when a guy on Kickstarter gets uh, makes glasses that have a you know holographic glasses and they get crowdfunded a million dollars, we're the company that comes up to him being like, we can help you realize that product into the market faster and more effective than you can do alone. Like that's those are the products that I sold, yeah, yeah. manufacturing services. So that partnership fell through, and my company had to had to. They had my cost, my salary costs every month that they were not getting any return on. Yeah. So they put me as a client on a client, an existing client. They put me as a consultant there in a role called operations program management. Nice. Now, this client was a startup in Silicon Valley called Auto. They were making a very fancy door lock. Yeah. All right. Imagine like the iPhone of digital locks as you approach your front door of your house. Bluetooth unlocks it. Mm -hmm. If Rogers or Comcast is coming to your house to set up your router, you send them a link that they can press that link outside your door and it'll open that door for that window of time you set. Yeah. It has all these little features, right? Before I know it, they're launching the product in China. I'm going to China to oversee the launch. And here I am in China working crazy. I never wanted to do this. I just wanted to go to California. Yeah, yeah, now yeah. I'm working but now for you're this in company. China. Now I'm working as a consultant. And you may know this. When you work for a company as a consultant, they don't give you the same leeway to give their full-time oh, employees. Yeah. Yeah. You're a consultant. You're, you're a consultant. slave. Yeah. We're paying you, you know, and that, I think they were paying for me like 14 Gs a month or something like that. Yeah. So they would they would they never, you crazy money, they would never approve my vacation. They would approve nothing. I was a slave as far as they're concerned. I'd be in China for weeks at a time yeah. overseeing this launch. I'm in a plant. I'm depressed as fuck. All the weekends I would go to Shanghai yeah. to perform. There was open mics 
English you open mic. You were doing mic. this back then? Yeah. That's hey, dope. I was doing open mics in Shanghai. Now I'd rent, there's these yellow bikes. You know how like bird scooters are all, all, yeah, all over the States? Yeah. In Shanghai, they have these yellow bikes called OFO bikes. Okay. You unlock them with like the 2D barcode thing. And I would just bike around Shanghai listening to the power of now on audio. That's dope. That's dope. Dude, reading's huge, man. Reading's and huge. That's pretty much what got me into meditation. And r literally right after, right after that China, that moment of feeling trapped, yeah. I'm like, the reason I'm here right now is because I'm willing to do anything for a number I agreed to. They said they'll pay me this much. I said yes, and now I have to do what they yeah. say. But I, I would even argue, boss, that I think that experience was very necessary for you to do what you're doing right now, man. Oh, I, I'm not like, saying I'm not saying I regret it. I'm yeah. not saying like this was a mistake. I'm just saying this was kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back, right? And and it put me in this direction. Exactly. So maybe it was a blessing, right? Exactly, exactly. And like, reading is just huge, right? Like people um, or listening, you know, yeah. absorbing content, absorbing content in general is like super, super. Right? Like reading, it's it's like having dinner with somebody smart. Like reading that book, exactly. right? It's yeah. like if you're sitting and, and letting them talk the whole time. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And if you're if you have like dinner with a super smart person, right? Even if you take ten percent of that, like that's a pretty good uh, yield or dividend or whatever it is that you're sort of getting. That's what a get, book gives you're you. You're getting a meal either way, right? Yeah, that's what a book gives you. Are you big? Do you feel like there's any uh, difference between reading and listening for you, as far as retention, interpretation, blah blah blah? Yeah, I like to read. You like to read. I like read? to read. I don't. I'm not a big fan of Audible or like the. I've tried it. Ebooks. I listen to podcasts quite yeah. a bit, but I, I read. A Shout out to the immigrant section. Hey <laughs> <laughs> <Tell your> friends. <laughs> I, I read. I read a fair bit. Okay. You are you the guy at the end of the movie that was like Psh, the book was better? <laughs> no, no, no. Are you that guy? <laughs> You're like, bro, you didn't even read the book. <laughs> no, no. I read a lot of like, as you could tell, probably self improvement and uh, like business related books and just anything that I'm sort of curious about. I probably read about. Have you ever read the book uh, that Naval was recommending? What's it called? The uh, Skin in the Game. I haven't read that one. Skin in the Game. You know what the best part of that book was? To be honest with you, and this is just because. Uh, you know, I'm a deeply insecure and shallow person. <laughs> the best part of that, of skimming, Naval Ravinkin, the guy that we've been talking about, recommended this book called Skin in the Game by Nassim Talib. Uh, and it's pretty much a book that was above my brow. Like I, I tried to skim through this book it's and it was, like, it was too low. It was, I was a very high level. I can get the gist of what they're saying. Yeah. Skin in the game. You always have to have skin in the game to make the right decisions, so to speak, right? You can't just be hovering over a, a circumstance with no skin in the game, Yeah. right? So that's pretty much what I took from it. Like, I just skimmed through it. But the best part of it all was getting to stand in Indigo in front of the business strategy section <laughs> and just looking at books and see people looking at me, looking at business strategy. I'm like, that's right. The boys out here looking at business strategy. <laughs> they don't know I do stand-up, you know what I mean? As far as they know, I, I have a business and I'm trying to strategize. But like... I actually, I have a totally different vibe now that I'm in my late 20s around uh, like the bookshelves and the book section. I just, it, before I was like, books, that's oh, a yeah. dying thing. Yeah. And get a Kindle, you know what I mean? Yeah, but 100%. now I'm like, I look at it differently. I'm like, this is a completely filtered uh, compilation of a single topic that you, that can help you. Like, you know, you 100%. just got to look out for these recommendations. 100%. Dude, I never read books in school, in university, middle school. I was the worst student ever. I never touched a book. 
ever. I was a good student, but I never read. I was just like doing math, doing science, being like, if I get good marks, I'll get the engineering yeah. degree and life will be perfect. Yeah. Now I read like a map. I read like a book a week. Yeah. I read a book a week. I do speed reading. Like I, I, I consume all types of books. What's the premise behind speed reading? You just premise behind yeah. Well, I think the premise is that you are consuming the content that's re relevant. You're never going to remember 100% of a book ever. So you're just taking bits and parts of it and you're just jotting down what it is that you think is important and sort of just taking that away. So how do you skim what is relevant? Because you, you don't know what's relevant. You Before you start a word, you don't know if this word is relevant or not. So like speed reading, there's many techniques for it, right? There's various techniques that different people use. Um, the one that I sort of just use, I just read like the middle of the page a little bit, but any sort of line that I jump towards that sort of stands out at me, I'll read that entire paragraph and I'll continue reading on. Now, if it's a book that I don't need to speed read, I won't speed read, I'll slow read that book. So it's a, if it's a book that like is a wealth of knowledge that's been highly recommended, the whole body of work, yeah. you'll read it, read of it. Course. And if you're just there in front of random books, you do this technique where you read along the middle of the page and you look for words? Like I'll read like every third third, uh, third word or something. Yeah. Right? And I'll... You I'll... just look for the words in conclusion. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and, right. and I'll just try to take away points from it. And yeah. when I'll come across... It, it's like reading a newspaper. Do you ever read the entire article? Well, I never read newspapers. I, I, yeah, I don't consume. If I only read newspapers when people are watching. Yeah, and I, and I only do it in front of the business strategy section. <laughs> yeah, so like, <laughs> I I stopped looking at the news a long time ago. I just look at the headlines. If you if you if you look at the headlines, you can have a but great that's a problem. There's a whole call. That's a problem. But you can have a great conversation with anyone if you just know the headline of the topic that you're talking about because you just get people talking about that particular topic. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly. It's like right. when I was at the gym or whatever, seeing sports highlights. Yeah, every sport. Exactly. Sport, you see what Federer. Yeah, did. you know all. The sports yeah so reading is at the end of the day it's it's a function of trying to improve your communication skills right and if you can sort of refer to like we, we refer to naval in this particular topic do you remember every single thing that naval talked about not at like, all no not at all likewise right but if you just pick up certain aspects of it you can connect with people better on just a particular book that i might have read and even if you're if, even if i remember 10 percent of that book like i think I've, i have done my job because i remember 10 percent of that book have you read uh, Yuval Noah, Noel Harari's Sapiens Homo Deus? Amazing book. Amazing, Amazing book. book. That book, Sapiens and Homo Deus. Homo Deus Don't like speed future. read that book, yeah, yeah, yeah. by the way. That, how is that book not a mandatory part of the curriculum? Seriously. That needs to be part of the high school curriculum. Seriously. Legit. I've Seriously. never felt like I had a more all-encompassing view, bird's-eye view of life. Of, what they, of life, the human species, what we are, like history in general you yeah. know what i mean yeah. and that guy he does two hours of meditation daily it's nuts dude all these i was um i i, I was fortunate enough to see jack dorsey he was doing like a panel this was not too long i heard ago. that name before who is that ceo of twitter okay yeah and, he's on rogan and, i think right and, yeah and yeah. square and square and square he yeah, runs damn. two companies both yeah. are billion dollar companies we all know how big twitter is yeah and square is huge too. yeah this guy sleeps for nine to 10 hours a day. He meditates for two hours a day. He walks for one hour a day. That's 14 hours of his day, just in activities that people think are non-productive. But to him, this is what he needs to do to be a highly functioning, deep, be in deep work for the 67 hours that he's actually working. Yes, exactly. I read <clears throat> uh, Yuval Noel Harari's, uh, I, f I forget what, I, I heard. was it a biography or something? I read. Pretty much 
how this person is who he is. Yeah. And he pretty much went down that same corporate hustle and one day went to some like retreat, some meditation retreat that was like two weeks. And after it changed everything for him, because mm -hmm. once he was able to pretty much like achieve mindfulness, he started going hard down the path of authorship and like the the way he puts concepts together it is the most objective reading i've ever done and it's like it's just it's very satisfying for a he writes in a way that's very satisfying for a quantitative mind like yeah, my own yeah. it's just so satisfying like he doesn't he never uses a cinema a synonym that's unnecessary you know what i mean he, he keeps it simplistic as possible and he gives amazing examples and i was just shocked I, homo deus i don't know if you read it that's the sequel yeah that's a new one i read yeah, that one too that oh no the new one is uh 21 lessons to the 21 century or something like that i read that one as well yeah, i haven't read yeah. that one yet yeah, yeah that, read, one, read... that one is like a mixture of homo deus and sapiens gotcha I, yeah i think books in general are super super important it's to me like even when we talk about mindfulness right it's about learning about it's just about learning man like you gotta learn if you're not learning in life, you're not moving ahead. Whatever it is that you're doing, right? You got to be learning in life. And when people, like the, the guy from Twitter or Naval, like who went on a meditation retreat and he figured this stuff out, their entire focus is to learn about who they are as people and double down on their strengths, right? There's this, there's this wave where like, hey, you have weaknesses, you have weaknesses, improve your weaknesses. No, man, it's about like figuring out your strengths and doing what you're good at. Yes. In comedy, they always tell you that. They always say it's important to practice your weak, uh, getting your weaknesses better, like making them your strengths. But instead of obsessing with that, lean into your strength. You cannot be perfect at everything. Mm -hmm. Identify what your strengths are and lean into that. We have this mentality, like you were saying, where it's like, oh, I, I'll let, uh, everything will be perfect. The goal is for everything to be perfect. Yeah. No, the goal is for you to make your weaknesses non-destructive like yep. and make your strengths killer. Absolutely. You know? If you talk about comedians, artists, entrepreneurs, anybody who's sort of a creator and impacting society in any shape or form with whatever it is that they're doing, these are the explorers and adventurers of the world. Of our time. Of our time. These are the people who went and found America and put a flag down. Exactly. Right? Right. So it, you have to do this. Yeah. We're just putting, my version is, I'm just putting bits together, you know? So, you know yeah. you're gonna, this is going to be a big show. Yeah, just putting bits together, yeah. I'm the philosopher of our day. There you go. Because remember back, if you- We go, talked about this. If the you Google any, like any main, uh, any famous uh, figure yeah. from like, pre 1880 yeah one of their one of their like titles on wikipedia will always be philosopher 100%. no matter what you did so you get for, philosopher. for some context we abbas and i were having lunch i think this was a couple months back and abbas was telling me about his uh journey in, in comedy so far and it was super inspiring to me and i was like man you're the modern day philosopher because just the way he speaks and like he connects the dots I'm like, this is yeah. what's happening in the news yeah, i'm right. like I'm like, damn, man, like, this is good. This yeah, is good man, stuff. Right. <laughs> it's inspiring. To me, it's inspiring. It's like, damn, this guy, like, you know, you had a good job. You went to a really, really good school, but you went out and did it. And it's like, you're actually doing this, man. Like, to me, it's inspiring. Yeah. Modern the, day philosopher. Yeah. Man, I'm a philosophizer. <laughs> but the problem is, you know, 
Uh, the come up, right? It takes a while for your little waves to make their way, you know, around. It's not the meant world. to be easy, though. Yeah, it's not meant to be easy. Exactly, Whoever said right? it was easy was lying to you. Exactly, dude. If it was easy, it would be fu- this this pool that's already kind of like flooded. It would be fucked. If this was easy, then I'd be things would be way harder. Like in the long run, if things were actually easy to make it through, yeah, gotta there's gotta be the systems in place to weed people out. Absolutely. Less is Otherwise, more. Otherwise, too many people make it. Less is more. 100%. I think so, like, le- more people won't make it, but I think less is more, right? Like, do, like the less work that you do, you're probably going to have a bigger impact if you're dedicating your time towards what it is that you sort of want to do and not consuming your time with wasteful activities. Exactly, yeah. Like, I mean, I post this podcast all over, right? Uh, that, for an example, like, I mean, I read all of... Uh, Gary Vaynerchuk's like nice. marketing books, right? Just to get some background, because I come from corporate engineering. Yeah. I'm dipping into like um, uh, media and sharing via social platforms, etc. So, got some background on that. The key, you stretch yourself out so thin trying to be on Twitter, Instagram, everything. You gotta choose two or three. That's it. You gotta choose if no more than three. Otherwise, and just you dominate lose your that. Mind. Yeah, I would even say just focus on one man and just dominate that space. They tie if you put if you Instagram, you can't ignore Instagram. YouTube is the basis of everything, mm-hmm. and Facebook is the center point for all of like um, comedic communication in the community. Right. So those three, I gotta use. And I think, and I think what you're doing with those three is is you're basically trying to create a community. Right, community of people who can sort of resonate with with whatever it is that you're sort of doing, and something that's relatable for them, and something that they enjoy, that they're willing to spend some time on, and establish a connection with you, and that's what social media gives everybody an opportunity to do. Exactly. But early on in like the state that I'm in right now, I'm doing these podcasts. I'm cutting little videos to promote it and be like, "Hey, check out the podcast." Blah blah blah. Right. Mm-hmm. But I'm like. Cutting pod, I'm cutting, I'm cutting videos that are like some are like stories, some are like tips, some are like funny things, and I'm throwing them into the ecosystem that is Facebook, into the ecosystem that is Instagram, into the ecosystem that is YouTube. Right. And different, they touch different. Their tentacles reach different people completely. Right. Like I'm right. seeing that. I may get, I may get pushback on a video on Facebook, and people loved it on Instagram. Yeah. Well, I, I think when you spend more time to it, towards it too, right? You'll eventually hone in on, hey, you know what? Where I sit in this ecosystem. Exactly, what your audience is. And then at that point, you sort of have to decide that this is going to be my distribution channel and I'm going to figure out, you probably have to market or you probably have to spend some ad dollars and you, you have to market heavily to yeah, exactly. that audience to be a distribution system. Like, for example, with this podcast, as an analogy, I'm pretty much, I record a podcast and then I have three dartboards set up and I'm throwing darts at three different dartboards. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't know what the bullseye is. It's not the middle. Exactly. And you don't know where it is, right? That's the grind though, my friend. Yeah. Right? That's the grind. It's like, three, you probably have to do two to three years of that. I get that, but clearing up my sketch. So pretty much I don't do engineering at all anymore. Right. And that was the best decision I made. I pretty much went from making... Money aside, I I make a fifteen percent of the income I used to make before. Yeah. But that is all I need to live. Before my mindset was, how do I make the most amount of money possible? Right. Now my mindset is, what do I need to live on a monthly basis, and how do I do as little as possible to get that? 
Yeah. Because I'm investing my time into all of these efforts. Hundred percent. Right? Money to me is just a score. Like it's the score of society. Exactly. That's, That's what exactly money is. what it is. Our Instagram followers is another version of a score That's these it. days. We just have a couple of metrics that you can yeah. people understand. Money, yeah. followers. Hundred percent. That's that's what views it is. Yeah. On YouTube, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have a couple of metrics that anybody like in the world would understand. So those are the most coveted ones. Money's always the your your worth in US dollars is always the number one score for, for like pretty much humans on earth. Yeah. Your worth that's in just, the US dollar, right? That's just how the human brain works. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Everybody's just chasing the, the dollar or whatever you may call it. But I think that's what people have to do less of. Right, like you gotta. It's hard to. It's like you were saying. We were brought into this mentality. You gotta get the degree, even before the mentality of the degree. Money has ruled our lives, especially from an immigrant perspective. Yeah, that's a solo travel, man. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Get out of here. Get out of here. Experience the world. See what else is out there. Get out of your little bubble, right? And see what else is out there, and then you'll be able to actually do something with your life that you want to do. What, was there any moments in your solo travel where you're like, okay, I think I bit more, a bit off a little bit more than I could chew right of now? Of course, dude. Dude, I was in Costa Rica. I was in a hostel, and these two Venezuelan guys come through, and I, and these guys have like tatted up, like fully. I thought they were coming to jail or something, and I'm just tripping balls. Like I have to sleep there with them. Yeah. So I didn't expect this. I didn't sign up for this, right? But you know what, like. And I could tell you this story that that's what happened to me too. So I kind of, it just gives you more confidence maybe. Like I, I don't know what the right word or how to explain that properly, but there's been many instances on solo travel that I've sort of gone through that I was shit scared. But going through that, now I feel very fearless in terms of what I'm doing right now because I think people have a way, 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 way worse. I'm very appreciative of the opportunities that I sort of have and I'm able to do what I can do with a very with the mentality of being fearless. So what ended up happening with those guys? Man, like, I thought they were going to rob me. I think they were going to steal my shit, but nothing. They were cool guys. They were chill. <laughs> I thought you were going to be, they were just a scuba instructor. So, you know, just cool guys, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, what, uh, you were just in Australia, right? I was just in Australia. How was Australia? Australia was fantastic. Australia, Where'd you go? I went to Sydney, yeah. and then I went up to uh, Cairns, which is the Great Barrier Reef, so I did oh. some scuba diving. That's uh, dying, right? Yeah, it's dying, man. You, you can see, see the corals work. dying. Um, but that was a fantastic experience. I'm so glad I did that. I always wanted to go to Australia as a kid, and uh, it, was, it was fantastic. I kind of went on a work trip, so I was working there for two months, basically. I had meetings set up via the... And this is another thing that people don't understand, how much government support we have for entrepreneurship, no matter what it is that you sort of do. There's opportunity... The grant for you. Exactly. I didn't pay a dime to go on my trip. It was paid for. It was all sponsored from the government with a program with IBM, and I was working with the export manager, export international. There's so Canada has these export treaties with basically everybody in the world, yeah. and they have these government NAFTA with uh, Mexico and the states, right? And they basically have these people in international trade divisions to uh, increase the import and export between the countries, and they have a rolodex over there that they'll connect you with to their distribution partners locally. So as an example, I was working with the, the international trade guy from Sydney who set up all my meetings for me. So I had my meetings set up. It was all paid for. I just had to show up and pitch what I had to do for Fortuna. Did anything come to fruition from it? Yeah, absolutely. We got four distribution partnerships and we got about 30 clients from Australia with, and it's been only six months. Wow. 
Hell yeah, that's what I'm talking about. And you got the fucking scuba dive with the And the I got the scuba dive. I lived out at a sailor for two, two, two days, man. That was fantastic. Just in the middle of the water? In the middle of the water. How was that? That was fantastic. Waking up, 6 o'clock in the morning, going scuba diving, seeing turtles, sharks, stingray, all types of marine fish. It's amazing. How many hours are you clocking in the water? Uh, you're, pro- you're doing each dive, which is roughly an hour. So I did four. So there's so many hours of boat time in between. What oh, are you yeah, doing? of course. You're chilling on the boat, man. You're snorkeling. Like, you're you're having a good time on the boat. There's other people around with Is it one of those flat, what's it called? Uh, catamaran? Catamaran style? Yeah. Okay, yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah, all right. Yeah. So there's a lot of walking room and, yeah, like, you yeah. can write. Yeah, so there's a catamaran, and the, I went on a sailboat. Um, on a sailboat, like, you have beds and fuck it, Canada government's paying, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, there's like a deck, so you're hanging out, doing your thing. You can do whatever, man. It's a good two days, just get away from it all. No technology. What was your favorite solo travel destination? I would say Thailand and Australia. Yeah? Thailand and Australia. A lot of people recommend Thailand. Oh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Um, first of all, it's super, super affordable. So if you quit your job and you don't have money, that's where you go because you can have lobsters and steak dinner for $5. Uh, you can live for super cheap, which is nice. Uh, but I think the vibe there is really good. It's it, it depends what type of trip you want. I personally wanted to get. Away. I was in sales, right? I was talking to people all the time and stuff. So I kind of wanted to get away from it all. I kind of just wanted to go out in the mountains, go out in the water, and and just like be myself, right? So to me, like I wanted lots of nature. So Thailand, if you go out to like the islands, I did island hopping. Uh, the nature is just fantastic. What's the level of English in the islands? Yeah, medium. Medium? It's not that good. But tourism is probably a massive part of the of oh, yeah. their GDP, Huge. right? They're like, the nicest yeah. people alive. Oh, They're everyone high. recommends. Everywhere I go in the world, people alive. say, oh, Thailand. So now I know when I go there. They're gonna be. It's gonna be such a hub of tourism because yeah. everywhere I go in the world, they're talking about their time in Thailand. Yeah. yeah. So is it multi, like people are there from everywhere? People right? are there from every single part of the world. Bangkok is just super, super packed. Yeah. Extremely, extremely. I heard you packed. see like old white men yeah, with young boys gross. and boy it's girls. Gross. Like girl I would boys. never. I, if I were to go, I w- which I am going to, but I would never even stay in Bangkok. Like last time I stayed in Bangkok for like a night, and then I went to the islands the next day. This time I literally book like a connecting flight from Bangkok to the islands. Right away to the islands. Right away to the islands. You do, Bangkok's just a waste of time. It's yeah, just a zoo, and, man. Yeah, 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 people say, and I heard it smells bad too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was one person's testimony, but yeah, still. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, have you ever gone to Vietnam? No, I haven't. I'm, I might yet. go to Vietnam later oh, this year. Yes, I'm excited, it. man. Do it, do Dude, it. Just like the lush forest, and it's do supposed it. to be amazing too. Like the nature, the people, the same kind of vibe. So affordable. I've heard it's phenomenal. I've heard it's phenomenal. I haven't been. I've been to Cambodia, which is nice. Do Cambodia, to Cambodia too. Do Cambodia as well. Yeah, I think we're gonna. My boys are booking it, so I think. Oh, uh, they're gonna pair up that yeah, you uh, do can- that itinerary. Go to, yeah, do, go to Angkor Wat, and that's like do the sunrise over there, four o'clock in the morning. That's where they filmed the Tomb Raider. Re- Angkor Wat. Yeah, Angkor Wat. In Cambodia. Cambodia. Ooh. Siem Reap. Hell yeah, man! That's a perfect ending point, I think, dude. We did, we did our seventy minutes, man. That's amazing. Hey, is there anything you want to plug, share with the people? Do you wanna? Uh, just vi- check out check out our website at fortuna www.fortuna.ai it's and just little... give a, a quick blurb of what let what like your 30 second like elevator pitches just so maybe absolutely just... absolutely so we are a artificial intelligence startup that's based out of right here in Toronto 
And basically, we're a customer creation platform, so we help uh, customers such as financial advisors, auto dealerships win new customers. And how we do that is by personalized videos. So we use personalized videos at scale to automate your sales. Boom! Personalized videos at scale to automate your sales. Sales? What? You heard it here, Fortuna.ai. Check it, Check that out on Google. And actually, I'll leave that info uh, on the podcast, as always. And uh, uh, again, if you are in Toronto, I'm having my Plus Time monthly comedy show September 4th, 9 p.m. That's at Free Times Cafe. Uh, on Instagram, I'll have that all that info. If you come out, the last month's show was packed. It's always a sick lineup, always new comics. That's September 4th. I'll plug it again probably in the next couple episodes. Bro, thanks so much. Just do this again, okay? Thank you for having me. It was amazing, bro. Thanks for listening. Tell your friends about the immigrant section. And remember, full episode, uh, full YouTube videos come out uh, the Friday uh, afterwards. So this will be out. This one will be out uh, Tuesday, like the 25th or something like that. And then the YouTube video will follow on that Friday. Again, thank you so much. Peace. Uh-huh.